This is the Key to Authority podcast, episode number 46, with Robert Gerrish. Welcome to the Key to Authority podcast, where it is all about helping you unlock the secrets of becoming the go-to expert in your industry. And here is your host, Janish Pandya. Have you ever wondered why people go to live concerts even though the quality of the audio of the songs they're listening to from their favorite artist is not as good as what they would get in iTunes or Stitcher. The simple reason behind it is they want to feel part of the tribe. They want to feel part of that atmosphere. They want to be there. They want to have that experience with other fans, the other people who love that particular artist or that particular band. And that is what you should be striving to create and grow and build in your business as a professional speaker as a coach as a consultant you should be working on building a tribe building a following of people around you getting them together helping them out and growing with them this is the key to authority podcast and i'm your host janish pandya welcome to the show and thank you for tuning in today is a gangbuster of an episode it has values left right and center Like the person I'm interviewing has done this. He has built a community of 81,000 plus small business members in Australia. He knows what he's talking about. I'd like to introduce you to today's incredible guest, Robert Gerrish. Robert is the founding director of Flying Solo, an online solo and micro business community, boasting a membership of over 80,000 Australian businesses and a further 40,000 connect via their social media channels. Each day, their site, online forums, and social networks welcome over 5,000 visitors, and around the country, flying solo meetup groups gather to share ideas and strategies. Robert's been a business commentator on ABC Four Corners, A Current Affairs, Sky Business, Fairfax Digital, 2UE, and ABC Radio. He's been a regular video blogger for CBS and presents the fortnightly Flying Solo podcast. Robert is the guy to talk to when it comes to building and engaging communities. He has done it. He knows what he's talking about. He has that experience behind him. And I've been part of the Flying Solo community. I've been part of the Flying Solo community since the time I started my business way back when I was doing Printering cartridges and toners. I had no idea about business. And till now, I've enjoyed, I've seen it evolve. And we have a quick chat about that as well in the show. But I also want to do a shout out for all the Flying Solo listeners who are new to the podcast. So, welcome you to the podcast. Check out all the other episodes if you want. Go to keytoauthority.com slash ALL. That is all to see all the past episodes. And make sure you subscribe to the show as well. So in this episode, Robert talks about a lot of different things from the key to growing and building a tribe to the the secret formula of Flying Solo's success of growing to 81,000 members plus to what Flying Solo does differently to all other forums and communities in the world. And there's some magic tips, there's some value bombs in this episode that if you go and implement your community that you're building will go gangbusters. So make sure you check it out and listen to the very end as there's a lot of things that Robert shares and you don't want to miss any of it. So without further ado, here's the interview with Robert Gerrish. 
Hey, Robert. Welcome to the Key to Authority podcast. Uh, we met at the We Are Podcast conference a couple of weeks ago, and a mutual friend of ours, Kelly Exeter, m- mentioned that you're a person to get in touch with, and you have done such an amazing stuff around flying solo. And now it's at 81,000 members plus, just the last I checked the stats, and it's amazing. (laughs) Well, that's very kind, Janesh. Thank you. Nice to talk to you and good to meet you at the uh, conference. So, yeah, look, we've, uh, uh, I still don't think we've done an amazing job. I think we're doing a fine job. And, uh, I always think we've just, we've got so much to do, but, um, look, we're having fun. That's the main thing. Yeah. And it's always about the fun and talking to you at that time. You took it slowly and you enjoyed the whole journey along with it. So yeah, sure. Where did this journey start and where did this all come out from in terms of flying solo? Because you mentioned things about your marketing business over in the UK. So Yeah, sure. Well I'll give you I'll give you a, a quick sort of history of that. So yeah, when I when I moved to Australia in uh, the mid nineties, um and I come come from a sort of marketing background, I worked with um a couple of small independent agencies in London and then we sort of sold our business that um, at the end of the 80s, actually, we sold it to Saatchi and Saatchi, the big ad agency. And sort of not too long after that um, was when I decided, you know, hey, I'll go and look at the world and kind of work out what to do next was sort of w- w- this kind of position I was in. And uh, so I had the good sense to come to Australia. I'd, I'd taken a year traveling and I came here and just completely fell in love with Australia and then um, fell in love with my now darling wife and uh, decided to settle here. And so initially, when I was doing was kind of falling back on what I knew, which was marketing. So I was working very much as a um, sort of con- marketing consultant, an independent consultant to small creative businesses. My background had been, say, within marketing and within the design industry as well. So I kind of used those connections. I knew a few designers and marketing people here. So I kind of hooked in with them and was building quite a nice little um, consulting business, just working pretty well by myself working with these small businesses. And um, then through a lovely sort of twist of fate, I met a, a guy at a dinner party one night and um, he was quiz- he's a psychologist and he was quizzing me about what I think about things, you know, like psychologists do. And, um, and he asked me, you know, what do I really enjoy about my work? And I said, well, look, what I really love is, is actually sitting down with the business owner, you know, maybe when all the staff have gone home and working out, you know, what's it all about and where are we going? What are we trying to achieve? And, you know, how will I exit? And all of these sort of discussions, I said, those are the things I really enjoy, working with the people. And he's, he introduced me at this dinner party to this new thing, as it was then called coaching, business coaching. And this was in the sort of late, late-ish 90s, 1998, and, um And I was very intrigued. I thought, wow, what is this? It sounds interesting. And so I did some research and found a big um, company in the US that were just about to start doing some their first ever coach training outside of the US, and they were going to do it in Australia. So to cut a long story short, I went through that course with these people and just loved it and suddenly found, you know, over the course of a couple of months, the training ran, that I could basically deliver my skills, but deliver them in a very different way, you know, in a way that was uh, much uh, had much more meaning and uh, impact on the individual in that um, rather than me just sort of rolling up my sleeves and doing everything, I was challenging people to think, okay, what is it you're trying to achieve? Why are you trying to achieve it? What does it, you know, what are some steps you can take? And it was, it was a lovely transition into a different way of working for me personally. And at that time, um, our son had just been born. So I was also very focused on having a nice sort of 
balanced life. I wanted to spend plenty of time at home. I didn't want to race around to meetings. So coaching just fitted perfectly. Um, and then through a delightful twist of fate again, um, ABC Four Corners were doing a show on sort of new work practices and they my phone rang they asked me if I would be a sort of spokesperson for this new thing called coaching this was in <laughs> say about 1999 so you know being a marketer I thought hmm film crew in my office film crew with my clients I'll think I'll say yes to that <laughs> so I did and um and it went extraordinarily well it was they interviewed me they interviewed three or four of my clients and um overnight my business that was just a nice little cruisy business just went nuts I had so many clients, phone wouldn't stop ringing. You know, people that were thinking about being coaches were taking me on as their coach so that I could sort of explain how the whole thing works. So I was just, I was just absolutely, you know, flying and I had an awful lot of, an awful lot of work, which was very nice. Um, particularly when we had a, a, our son had just been born, you know, I was well aware that life was getting a little bit more expensive so uh, it was very good you know make make hay while the sun shines and all that but uh, after a few weeks of working like that or a couple of months it probably was I realized that I was just getting completely out of balance so I was I was working all hours it was it was too hard so I did I thought hang on a minute I know what's going on here I'm a marketing person I need to get clear on who I really should be working with so I took a few days off and I sat down with all my notes notes and files of everybody I'd coach and it was it was probably 100 150 people by then um and I put all the people I really enjoyed working with in one pile and all the other people in another pile and lo and behold all the people I really connected well with that I resonated with that reacted well to my work um were people working by themselves running a solo business and running primarily a life style business so in other words not looking to grow some massive business not looking to scale and flip and do all of those things they just wanted a nice little lifestyle business that would give them enough food on the table and regular reliable income so they could spend time doing whatever else they wanted to do in their life so um and that's very much where i was at that stage as well so uh, that realization um again with my marketing hat on um i could see that there was a niche there and uh, the niche was basically people soloists so i did some research and found that a large percentage of australian small businesses are solo businesses so i registered the name flying solo domains were just starting to sort of be things that i was aware it was important to have so i registered flying solo i changed my business name into that and um and started uh, doing a lot of writing for because I've always enjoyed writing writing for Daily Telegraph and some business magazines and everything was about solo business solo business solo business and you know lo and behold I really struck a chord and it started to work and email was then also you know my god this makes me sound so old <laughs> you know email was starting to sort of become relatively sort of important it was obviously here to stay this was in sort of 2000 so I launched an email newsletter and went from sort of naught to 700 subscribers and then 700 to 7,000, you know, really within weeks. In those days, you know, if you walked into a room full of people and said, hey, I write a newsletter, do you want to receive it? Everybody would Love it. willingly run up to you and give you their email address. Yeah, boys, the world changed. So, um, yeah, that's, that's basically how it all started. And then uh, the phone rang again one day and it was a publisher, Alan and Unwin. Uh, asking me if I'd write a book and I said yeah what what should we call it and they said well let's call it flying solo so again being a marketer I thought well that's not a bad opportunity 
So I wrote the book and I co-wrote it, in fact, with my uh, one of my now business partners, Sam Samantha Leader. We wrote it together and uh, we had so much fun doing that that we thought, hey, let's keep doing something together. So we started a thing called a portal, as it was in those days. <laughs> and um, and then other people got in touch saying, hey, could I write for you? And, could I? and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here we are 10 years later, more than 10 years later. Um, and it's turned into um, turned in to the monster that is flying solo so yeah i'm very happy and that's a really great community because i've been part of it since 2011 and that's almost four years and mm. i've seen the whole change of the new design and the new membership come out yep. and everything so i've seen it grow but obviously you've seen it from the stages uh, when it's little child, little thing in your head, then little yeah. book to now. Absolutely, and the, and the thing is, you know, it's um, it's not, it's it. And I think, I guess, there's very few businesses that are. What I'm about to say is that that there's so much to do, you know. And I think none of us in our businesses can just sort of sit still and go, right, okay, that works. You know, it's constantly changing, and that's exciting. And I wouldn't want it any other way, really. But um, it does. The site does evolve every time we move to a new platform. It's you know brings us all out in hives because it's a massive task. There's a lot of content. We've got our forums that you know is, uh, I forget exactly how many pages, but thousands and thousands of hundred, you know, three hundred odd thousand pages of comments or something. Um, and it, you know it's a big, big thing to kind of shift platforms and so on. But it's um, you know it, it's evolving all the time, and we're realizing new things we need to do. And we're adding new sort of pillars if you like sort of activities you know like our own podcast and our survey that we do and our independence day event that we do and our awards you know there's so many things that we can do it's fantastic you know and it's um it, it, it's yeah it, it keeps us busy and I, I couldn't imagine like how you all manage with your team and everything it must be really really great so robert mm. doing all these things doing the blog the podcast and the guest writing the comments the forum and everything else we just talked mm. about what do you think has made flying solo that successful it has grown to 81,000 members and it's growing massively I think, um, in a word, I think it's consistency. I, I think that's the main thing is that, um, you know, every day for well over 10 years now, we've just kept doing it. You know, we've never, we haven't missed a beat. We've done some things that don't work and we've done some things that we that could have been better and so on and so forth. But we're kind of, we're always there. And what I hope that people see, uh, and always have seen through our community is that the people behind the bit, we're genuine. You know, we're all people. There are eight of us in our little team now, all dotted around the country. Um, and only a couple of us work full time. Everybody else just works exactly when they want to work. Um, and we do it all remotely. And basically all of the people working flying solo also have their own sort of solo business alongside it. So, you know, we're walking the talk. We're, we're still running solo businesses. And I think that's very important. And I do think, I do hope anyway, that that's what really shines through is that when we talk about issues, it's because we're feeling them ourselves. You know, if we're talking about um, handling overwhelm, the chances are it's because we're feeling overwhelmed. You know, if if we're talking about, um, you know, getting our inbox empty, it's because we're all frustrated as hell about getting our inbox empty. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all It's all real stuff. So I think that's the main thing is that, 
No, we never started this business um, anticipating that we're going to create some massively um, valuable and successful business that's you know going to sell for millions. That was never the goal, and it isn't the goal. You know, the goal has always been that we want to enjoy the work we do. We want to support people that are in a similar position and make enough to keep all our families in food and drink and water and clothes. Um, and that's what we do. So we we've never set our sights high in terms of of what we intend to generate in terms of um, kind of money or wealth or any of those things. And a number of people are probably rolling their eyes, particularly the financially led people, thinking <laughs> what a crazy strategy. But, you know, we, we do it because we enjoy it. Uh, in all the time that we've been running, we've only ever had, just want to make sure I'm 100% uh, got this correct, two people that have left us. Um, one uh, was lovely Jody, who was our editor, who left to have a baby. Um, and the second was Lucinda, who was just standing in for a few months whilst we replaced Jody. Um, and those are the only people that have, have left sort of our employment in any way. And, you know, I, I find that I'm particularly like that. So I'm really happy with that. And we're also a group of people that if somebody grumbles and, you know, they do because we get things wrong. We had someone about 15 minutes ago complaining that one of our little pop ups that comes up offering a free report, they couldn't close it. And, you know, we sit there. We don't just go, Ooh, you know, how boring we sit there and we, we feel the pain. We go, Christ, how annoying is that? We've got to do something about that, you know, and it, we worry about things, um, in a probably in a slightly, um, professionally unhealthy way, just because, you know, we are who we are and this is what we are. So if, if, you know, we, I remember, I think eight years ago, probably seven or eight years ago, anyway, we sent an email out that was a sponsored email. A, a big corporate had, um, offered us an absurd amount of money to send a note out to, um, all our email lists and we sent it. And uh, I remember it distinctly, 12 people out of then probably about, ooh, I don't know, 20,000 or something who received it, 12 people complained. Um, but they, those people that complained, about four or five of them complained really quite bitterly. They were very disappointed in us. Um, and from that day on, we've never done that again. And our ad agency and our sponsors and supporters still can't understand the rationale but we just don't want to do it because we know we felt the pain when people wrote and complained to us we we got in a huddle and we went this is not nice we can't we mustn't do this so we stopped doing it and um you know there are a number of things that i'm sure there's a number of things we do that people to this day don't like we have to have keep an eye on commercial we have to survive um and currently our model is that the vast majority of our revenue comes from advertising and sponsorship um, but we do, we try and keep it in check. And um, and if people get upset, you know, we listen and we respond. So, uh, And then I re can relate to that consistency and genuinity you were talking about because mm. I know Kelly, et cetera, she's now the current editor of Flying Solo. I've met her a couple of times. Mm. Yep. I've interviewed her for the podcast. I sometimes check out her blog uh, and also the business side of things. So, like, I've known her more than I've known you in terms of just the time space. But mm. Like that's uh, how I see. Like I would imagine the whole team is like that. Obviously yourself, you like that, and you can tell that it's not just a facade kind of behind. No, the I mean online space. So like I understand exactly. Yeah, well that's kind. And and Kelly, wonderful, wonderful editor that she is, has not been with us that long. It's uh, about a year, I think. But to what was interesting is we actually, um, I'm sure Kelly won't mind me saying this. We we interviewed her about three years ago. Um, when at the time when um, Jody first left us, and 
Um, we were mightily impressed with Kelly then, but um, we were actually worried that she had too much on. Um, and we decided in the end that we didn't want to add to how much she had on. You know, she got a couple of young children running her own design business. And we just thought, this person is too busy and she shouldn't be taking this work on. So we said no to her and we worked with somebody else uh, who then worked with us. That was actually Lucinda, who's, I think I, got, I might have these the wrong way around. But anyway, um, no, actually, yes, it was, it was um, Jody who joined us then. That's right. Jody who joined us then. So Sam, who was one of our partners who'd been editor up until then. So um, we, we, we said to Kelly, we love you, but we just don't think it's right. And then lo and behold, three years later, um, Sam bumped into Kelly at, um, I think, the Pro Brogger conference and came back to Peter and I and said, oh, I bumped into Kelly and she's really just seems much more relaxed and hasn't got so much on her plate. And um, and we said, well, let's see if she would like to come and play with us now. <laughs> and she did. And, um, you know, happily. And uh, we're absolutely stoked to, to have her working with us. But, you know, that was, again, that was part of it. It just didn't feel right um, because of this whole thing of, um, you know, we want to practice what we preach and, I can't bear the thought of anybody within our business, um, you know, being sort of in any way out of balance or not feeling, you know, happy in their work. So oh, yeah. I, I agree with that. And things like this happen and you never know that interaction starts something else and down the tag two to three years, it might turn into something completely different as happened with yeah. Kelly. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So Robert, in terms of, with Flying Solo, you have now a thriving blog, you have the podcast, you're doing a lot of things. So, mm -hmm. but what are you doing currently that not many other communities out there in the world are doing that is like, it's a flying, it's a soloist that has that flying solo stamp and has that ownership of it, apart from all the being the consistent and genuine side of things? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, we try, look, there's a couple of things that we do that I'm not saying no one else does it, but, but um, I think it's so important to do it. We first thing is every couple of years, we do a large sort of research survey of, of our audience. Um, and it's, you know, it's quite, uh, quite a big ask to get people to take what was, I think this year, about 20 minutes out of their day to answer a lot of questions about how they feel their view of the future, what their biggest sort of uh, challenges are, what their biggest successes are. It's a big ask, but we do that and we do it every couple of years. Um, and it's this time, I think we had a thousand and I don't know, a thousand and fifty people or something took part in it, which is a lot of very generous people. But by us doing that, we learn so much. We absolutely learn so much. And our survey um, is really what kind of governs our our whole strategic direction. So we look at what people say and we look very carefully at what people say and that determines what activities we get involved in, what we publish, what we talk about, what discussions we might start to sort of generate on our um, forums or on Facebook. It really guides us in what we, what we need to be doing. And, and I think not enough people do that in the sort of community space in inverted commas. Too often, I think people um, are quite happy just to kind of let things motor on and, and make assumptions about what people are doing. But uh, I think it's very important to, to actually just check in on a regular basis and make sure that what you thought is what's really going on. Because it's very easy when we live in our cities. You know, I live in Sydney, you live in Perth. 
you live in this, when we live in our cities, it's very easy to have a perception of where people are in their business and in their lives. And it's very easy when you move around the city to or go to networking events in the city and you see people who are, you know, doing fantastic work on social media. They're making fantastic videos or they're running training courses, they're doing all these incredible things. They're all walking around with MacBook Pros and iPhone 6s. And it's easy to, to, if you're not careful, to assume that that's the nation. And the truth is it isn't. You know, when you when you actually reach further afield, go into regional areas, go into small businesses that have maybe been run by the same people for 10 or 15 or 20 years, the, um, the, the tools that they're using, the challenges they're facing, the goals that they're trying to reach are quite different. And it's very easy to just get caught up in that whole rush of excitement of what you see immediately around you within a sort of, you know, two kilometer radius. And it's not enough. You know, we were very fortunate a couple of years ago that we um, did a big tour around the country with PayPal, went to about 15 locations, um, look, you know, all regional locations and met an awful lot of businesses. And my goodness, it's an eye opener. When you see people, you see what's actually going on and where they're getting their business from and what their stresses and challenges are. Um, you know, and we, we talk in the city about, um, you know, high speed internet and we talk about it and we hear that, oh, you know, out in other locations, it's not so strong. But do we really stop and think what that means? You know, when you actually get out into some of these communities and you see the way they work and see the businesses and see the way they're having to grow their businesses, very different. So that's that's the key thing I would say. The other thing that we do is we do um, well, we do a couple of things that are a bit different. But one is we we celebrate for the last few years we've celebrated a thing called Work in the New Day on the first Friday of December, first Friday of summer. And um, that's certainly not something that everybody does. And um, it's a bit of a playful way of of being able to celebrate the joys of working by yourself, largely in your own sort of home business. So we were sitting down one day, a few of us after um, one of our very rare get togethers. And I think we'd all knocked back a few vodkas in some vodka bar. <laughs> and we were thinking, what can we do that only Flying Solo could do? And um, no one, no one is claiming it was their idea now. A few years later, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it wasn't me. I can tell you that much. But so we decided, well, let's do work in the new day, the day when you can actually throw all your clothes off. And, you know, and I don't, I won't, I won't go into detail here because people get me all, all sorts of horrible imagery, probably. <laughs> but anyway, we've done it for a couple of years, and it's been wonderful. And what, what's really interesting, and we ask people to share pictures of how they're working. And, you know, clean pictures, like, you know, a no dangly bits rule is what we have. And we've had the most beautiful pictures of people of all ages, all around the country, just working naked for a day. Now, this year, we've actually decided we're not going to, we're going to, you know, we've got, we've done that for two years. And I think we've been very lucky. Nothing's backfired. It's all been okay. Um, but a couple of, um, sort of media publications and other places have sort of just kind of stolen into uh, work in the new day and kind of made it their own with no mention of us. So we thought, no, 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 we need to change it. So this year we, we're calling it Independence Day. So it's a day to celebrate the joys of working for yourself. So again, it's the first Friday in December and we're inviting people, particularly across our Facebook channels, just to share ideas. Well, how are they going to spend the day? What are you going to do on the on on Independence Day to acknowledge this joy of working by yourself? And I'm pretty sure we'll get very good participation in that. And that's the sort of thing that we like to throw in just to keep keep things a bit light and just to make sure that no matter how many challenges and stresses and pressures we've got, let's just remember 
we're working by ourselves. We have the freedom to do what we want. We can be agile. We can work a bit later or we can start a bit later. You know, we can work in our shorts. We can go for a swim. We can go for a walk and spend time with our kids. We can do what we want. So for goodness sake, let's celebrate it. So that's what we do. Awesome. And I love the idea. And I was just as I was talking to you, I was looking, uh, listening to you and Timber Reed when I think this idea was the first of its kind. And you're talking about the whole thing, and I had a look at some of the pictures and stuff. It mm. sounded fantastic. I was like, mm. "Wow, <laughs> such a great idea!" And no one was doing it, but now no. people copying is like good. <laughs> yeah, well, it's looking. It's it's you know, I'm not fussed really that people copy, but I just think in in you know, whenever there's a sort of mention of nudity, there, there's there will always be a small percentage of people who who, who either will just behave perhaps not not as cleverly as they might, <laughs> or will will take some kind of exception to it so you know we we did it when when we started it we knew it was going to cause a bit of a stir and sure when the first year we did it you know we were on um huffington post times uh, time magazine you know lots of international it was fantastic um but you know that was then and this is now it's a few years on and it's not we're not doing this as a publicity thing we're doing it as a celebratory thing for our community so we've had a couple of years of nice publicity now we want to just remember why we're doing this and it's a celebration of of working by yourself awesome and anyone listening to this as soon as this gets released please make sure that you do take part i know i'll be taking part in the independence day and we'll be sharing my photos as well now Fantastic. I'm just trying to think what I'll take a photo of. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting. And I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to be going for a nice long walk with a good mate. Um, and we'll stop by the beach somewhere and probably have a swim and it'll just be lovely. So, um, you know, it's just so nice and so important, I think, when we're, when we're working on our own to constantly have something to look forward to. You know, and it's very easy sometimes when we're working on our own, we've got our head down just to, to, if, if we're, you know, if we're in a tricky space with our business, it's, we sometimes don't have enough things in our diary to look forward to. Um, and it's very, very important that as businesses, as business owners, as individuals that we do. So, you know, at least on this particular day, you know, let's really do it. So, and let's celebrate that. So Mm. Robert, uh, having built this kind of a community, so what is the key to growing and building a community? Okay, well, look, one of the first things is certainly what I was talked about, which is being, being consistent. But I mean, before all that, the I guess the single most important thing is, is to have a very clear picture of who you're talking to, you know, who is the community you're after. And um, this is true when, you know, if I look at sort of the issues that uh, a number of small businesses have, um, and in fact, from the research that we've just run, run, the number one issue continues to be having enough clients and, and having enough revenue. So those two clearly go somewhat hand in hand, having enough clients, having enough revenue. Now, why is it that a lot of businesses don't have enough clients? Well, I strongly believe that the main reason is they're not sure who their ideal clients are. And this might sound incredibly basic. But time and time again, we see uh, we see it on our forums, we see it on Facebook, we see it everywhere. Businesses that are trying to get a message to everybody and um, trying to get a message to everybody means that it's unlikely to be heard by anybody. Whereas if you're if you have a very strong, very clear message, then you're far more likely to be heard. And it's much better, in my opinion, to be heard well by half a dozen people than it is to be not heard by you know 200 people. 
Um, and that's the, that's the key, I think, of, of marketing and growing a business. And it's also exactly the same when it comes to growing a tribe. You have to be clear who those people are, what's keeping them awake at night, and just ensure that you're constantly listening, constantly observing, and you're talking to them about things that they're interested in you know i had a went to a um a presentation this this week a breakfast presentation and met a lovely woman there who's an alternative practitioner and forgive me i can't remember the name of the of her particular modality but it was it was quite complex um but she was extremely passionate about it um as is often the case and she was telling me about these incredible things and the fact that nasa scientists have used some of this technology or this modality and it was all absolutely fascinating um but the problem was it wasn't actually interesting it didn't peak my i mean i was interested because i was talking one-on-one with her and, and she came to me saying hey i've got a bit of a problem here and the problem is that she was constantly going to people and telling them all about this complex um system that she uses and all this training that she's done for seven or eight years and people just clouded out over and kind of wandered off um, and the reason was that she was not talking in any sense in terms of outcomes, like what, how people will benefit if they use this practice that, that she's skilled at. And this is often what happens as a problem in marketing is we get so hung up on the process and nobody cares about the process, not at the outset anyway. What they care about is what's in it for me, what can you do for me? And I think the same thing is absolutely true when it comes to growing any kind of tribe is you have to be hold front and center. What can we do for these people? Why should they be interested in us? Once you've got people there, sure, then you can get a bit more technical. You know, you can say, hey, why don't you come over here and listen to this thing called a podcast? Why don't you come over here and have a go at this thing called a forum? You can do those things when people have come to you. But initially, you've got to get them to come to you. And I think that's at the core. So initially, then how did you get flying solo off the bat? Because normally the forums and when they start, that's always crickets or tumbleweed yeah. going on. <laughs> sure. Well, it's, it, it, it can be like that. It, it wasn't like that with us. And I'll explain why in a minute. But basically what we did is, is we, well, firstly, initially it was, it was just little old me. So what I did was I got very clear on what I felt strongly about when it comes to a home based business and I, I can't rattle off all of those things now, but some of the things were, if I'm going to work from home, I need to feel connected. If I'm going to work at home, I need to feel that I've got the resources that I need kind of where I need them. If I'm going to work at home, I've got to be really clear that I can work in a disciplined um, and professional manner. You know, I've got to be clear how I use my time, all of these things. So I knew that these were issues for me. So those are the things that I initially started writing about. But also, if I saw anybody else writing, about them and bear in mind this is in the days of newspapers if you can remember those things um you know if ever i saw anything in an article that talked about small business i'd read it and see is there anything in here that's that's making me want to kind of reply or respond and if there was and there often was there'd be something where i'd either think i don't agree with that or i absolutely agree with that or yes i agree with that and here's a good example good example of someone who's doing that whenever I felt any of those things I would immediately fire off a letter or an email to the person that wrote that article and I would so my opinions are what I'd get the newspaper early in the morning I'd have a texter and I'd go all the way through it and I'd look at all the things that rattled me in any way shape or form and I'd fire off emails or letters to the people that had written them or I'd write a letter to the editor 
so with a different opinion or whatever. And um, little by little, by doing that, what starts to happen is a you get very strong yourself on what you stand for. Uh, you get very uh, talented at um, or very skilled at being able to spot things early, but you also start to get known as someone who has an opinion on things. And that really helped and it will really can still really help people today. I mean, I think wonderful services like Source Bottle, you know, fantastic thing um, run by Rebecca Darrington. You know, if you join up with Source Bottle, they'll send you uh, little email alerts when a journalist is writing a story on whatever topic. And you can then respond to that going, yes, I feel strongly about that. And I have a sort of rule now where is it any journalist gets in touch with me, and happily if you do, um, and it's often by email in the first instance, and they say, would you be willing to contribute? My answer is yes. Even if I don't have an opinion at that point, I'm I'm say, yes, I'll definitely talk to you about that. And then sometimes I um, may only have half an hour to quickly rustle up an opinion, but I'll get one. You know, I'll go for a quick walk or I'll do some Googling around and I'll go, right, okay, we're talking about super, aren't we? The importance of having a good super thing. Right, how does that fit? And I'll, I'll come up with an opinion. And that's at the, at the core, I think, of anyone who wants to keep um, a tribe, again, sort of front and centre, is thinking, what is it that they're worried about? What is it that um, they need to be thinking about? And, and just having that kind of drive you. I can't recall if that's anything like an answer to the question that you asked. No, it was, yeah, you. the question was, when you started, uh, how did you get that traction and yeah. that tribe building? But I guess you've put in a lot of effort even before you started flying solo as the well yeah that, that's things. right and yeah that so it, that was it it's it you know when you speak up um people listen people don't go around looking for sort of vanilla and bland people want people that will stand up and say something and that's obviously you know i don't have to tell many of your listeners anything that they don't know there that's that's how successful blogs succeed they don't succeed by being pretty or fast or have a snazzy name you know all of that stuff's easy the technology of blogs is easy. The technology of podcasts are easy. None of that's a hurdle anymore. What's important is what's the content? What is it you're talking about? And why should anybody give a damn? You know, and that has to be at the center of it. And just to take your point about our forums, you know, as you say, yes, a lot of forums when they start are deathly quiet. The only reason ours wasn't and never has been is not through any great sort of strategic um, decision making. We were just really slow. <laughs> um, we were just really slow. We we had uh, we had articles and people were commenting on articles. This is before Facebook, and we're trying to sort of have discussions and article comments, which is really un a clumsy, ugly way to do things. And and we just had other things to do, and we left it like that for probably two or three years. And then it got to the point where so many people were getting frustrated that they couldn't actually have a conversation in any fluid sort of way we realized that we were the you know we were really getting in the way here so we launched our forums and from day one they just went nuts it was like opening a door with a big crowd outside and you know forums these days are, uh, are not as necessarily as busy and lively as they were because conversations being diluted across so many channels now twitter facebook everything else you know but our forums are still very solid very well supported and you can have a kind of a depth of conversation in a forum that's really very hard to have anywhere else. So in terms of having that depth, and let's say if you were to start flying solo forum in this current day and age, mm. would you be doing something differently? Or because you had the whole articles and the blogs and things, so people were like, come on, give us a forum, let's let us talk or something mm. like that. 
and if you just wanted to start a forum, just a membership, uh, something like that, where you didn't have that much of a back end or you didn't have yep. that built up already, what would you do? Okay, well, that's interesting. Um, look, it depends to some extent uh, on what your sort of business model is. But these days, I think, um, I would tend to, if I was starting from scratch, I tend to go where the people already are. And lastly, that means Facebook. And, um, you know, I sort of, I fluctuate, well, I was about to say daily, but it's probably every hour uh, as to whether I like Facebook or dislike Facebook. Um, <laughs> but, but whether I do or I don't is it's neither here nor there. The, the truth of it is, it's where the world goes. You know, I was hearing something yesterday that I think was it the 26th of August, I forget what it was, 12 million people in the, on the same day, first time ever, highest number ever were all logged into Facebook. I might have those numbers and dates wrong as I tend to. But anyway, well, um, <laughs> it, it illustrates the point that it's, you know, it's, it's where people are. So if I was starting again today and if it didn't matter to me too much whether I had people's sort of data and email addresses, then I would very likely um, start um, a community growing on through a Facebook group. Um, or if it was a more professional one, um, then I would probably do it through LinkedIn. Um, you know, so I think there are a variety of different ways these days. It's certainly far easier to go where pe people are than to try and get everyone to come over to you. You know, the world has changed a lot in the last few years and it's changing, you know, it's changed in the last few minutes and it'll change again in the next few hours. You know, things are shifting a great deal. But certainly if it comes to building a following, uh, comes to sort of building a tribe, then I would certainly be looking at going where the people are. But then if it's important to you to have people to come to you for some reason, whether you're trying to sell them something or if you just need their attention or if you want them to come on your courses, then you're going to have to just think about how you do that. How, how do you get people from Facebook to your next sort of, you know, port of call? And there's a number of strategies and ways you can do that. And that's probably a, for another day. But um, yeah, I, I certainly think it's important just to have a look at um, where people are and how can you how can you sort of put yourself in front of those people okay and i love and on top of that like the strategy you shared with me at the conference at the mastermind you're talking about mm. helping them out doing some webinars and things mm. so could we go into a bit more of that as well because like yeah sure they're on facebook and they're now generating that content and comments yeah. and stuff here there well again the thing the the, the key Key thing is, and not obviously knowing what um, what your whole listenership's kind of um, tribe might be, but the most important thing is to be very clear on what. You know, again, I'm sort of repeating myself, but I think it's important: is what are the challenges? What are keeping your tribe awake at nights? What are the things that you either can do as a service that you offer yourself, or one that you can um, uh, sort of help to bring to that tribe. I'll give you an example of a very good friend of mine, a guy called Jeffrey, lives down in Melbourne. He's a quantity surveyor. Now, his tribe, the people that he wants to get in front of, are architects. Now, architects are historically quite difficult people to get the attention of, certainly if you're a quantity surveyor, <laughs> because as far as an architect's concerned, when they need a quantity surveyor, they'll ring one. You know, and that's kind of it. And in the meantime, they're busy doing their designs and buying their black shirts and suits and, <laughs> uh, and finding clients. They're not terribly interested in quantity fairs. When they need one, they'll get one. But for someone like Jeffrey, he knew he wanted to stay top of mind in the eyes of architects. Now, if 
he were to try and build a tribe around quantity surveying, frankly, it's never going to work. He's not. If he runs an event saying, come and learn the ABC of quantity surveying, no one's going to be interested. They're just not interested. But what he did realize um, is that that architects have particular challenges. For many architects, the challenge is finding the right sort of customer because a lot of architects um, spend years years training, building a wonderful practice, and then they get buried in sort of, you know, roof extensions and garages and garden sheds. You know, they have a real issue in finding the right sort of client, charging their worth, um, being able to, you know, get nice clients that will understand their work and will work well, well with them. And uh, Jeffrey worked that out by talking to a few of them and hanging around with them. So what he started to do is he started running events. These were face-to-face events, but could equally have been webinars, where he would get speakers coming along, and he got, that's how I met, I think, because I was one of the speakers, um, talking to a little group of architects about how to how to find and secure your ideal client, as an example. So what Jeffrey would do is he'd host the event, he'd send out the invites for the event, He'd be the first guy that spoke at the event going, hello, I'm Jeffrey, I'm a quantity surveyor. I've got you all here today to listen to blah, 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 talk about ideal clients to a room full of architects. And he would do that on a like a quarterly basis. Now, that's a very, very, very clever way of keeping his name front and center with his his ideal audience. But he wasn't helping them get clients directly but he was bringing people to them he then started to write a regular newsletter that again got articles from all around the place all to do with helping architects build their practices and find ideal clients so he became known not so much as a quantity surveyor but as the guy who was helping their business so who do you suppose is the first guy they think of when they're looking for a quantity surveyor of course they think of him and so that's again what we need to be doing with our tribes it's not that we necessarily have to to satisfy ourselves the needs of our tribe because sometimes we can't you know if your tribe are uh, young mums let's say maybe you run a sort of uh, maternity wear company or something and young mums are the people that you want to get to or young expectant mums the people you want to get to you know then you the way that you might do that may be through um, kind of fitness. It might be having people coming talking about fitness. It might be having people coming talking about how to cope with the first three months. You know, things that again that you you're not necessarily you're not necessarily doing it, but they're the things that your target audience are concerned about or have have a, a knowledge hunger about. So you know that's where webinars can fit in. That's where I'm talking to you about. That is, you know, if if you know that your clients around you are looking to up upskill in certain areas and you've got clients dotted around a fairly broad geographic area you know it's getting away from this speaking one-to-one and instead speak one-to-many so maybe run a a, you know monthly webinar series or something where again you might get a special guest or you might do it yourself but just there are so many ways that we can do it these days yeah and after that talk that's why i was like i've been thinking and thinking and that's one of the things i'm gonna try for sure and now Mm. it's just planning that how the webinars will work, what kind of people, and maybe even get you down the track sure. on one um, of the webinars. Yeah. And the, <laughs> so, one, of the, one of the things I mentioned when we met at that, at that uh, conference was a good sort of role to play is to, um, and I've said this so many times, there are, there are possibly people listening will just be yawning now, but <laughs> it's to start to think, start to imagine that you're an investigative journalist. You know, imagine you're one of those people on Four Corners or one of the those other shows, the kind of journalist that kicks the door down and with a microphone in their hand, you know, that's trying to 
talk to people. If you start thinking like an investigative journalist with your ideal tribe and really getting deep into what is it that these people need help with, you know, and you can do that by asking them, by setting up a simple um, survey online, survey monkey survey or something. You can do it by ringing people up. You can do it by going along to some of the places of work and, and talking to them as they come away from their work. You can do it by standing outside a railway station with a clipboard, you know, old, old school still works. But thinking like an investigative, investigative journalist is a great thing to do. Really dig down deep. And it's a lovely way, actually, if you've got people that you would love to talk to, maybe as a prospective client, but you just don't quite have the courage or you think, why on earth would they want to talk to me? One way that you can do it, and I've used this a number of times when I was coaching people, is to come at it from a different angle. Rather than trying to go and sell them anything, make your first contacts purely the pursuit of knowledge. So if you say to somebody, look, I'm a new, uh, I'm started a new web development practice I know that um, you have recently had uh, your website developed and it's a fantastic job. And uh, boy, oh boy, yes, I'd love to get my hands on that in a few years, but I know the time's not right now. But I would love to just interview you if, if I could and ask, what did you learn about the whole process? How did you find the whole process? You know, if you just take that sort of approach where you're not trying to sell, you're trying to learn. And lo and behold, what happens is you are creating a relationship with that person whilst you're talking to them. But what you're hearing, what you're getting in that interview is absolute gold for your business. You know, but too, too often businesses are just selling, 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 selling when we should be asking questions and listening. So then when does the money side of things come? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking I'm listening to this podcast right now mm. on the track and providing value is great. And that's the mindset to have the consistency, the genuinity, because without that, you won't be able to connect. And mm. I love the approach. And as you mentioned, you took it really, really slow and it's built to that. So it takes time to build all these things because that was the thing at the moment. Flying Solo has a mix of sponsorship and membership side of yep. things. When does that money side of things, should that person, that n new uh, website designer should come in kind of thing? Yeah. Well, look, uh, that's, that's an interesting one. And it's not, um, it's not the easiest one to answer because again, it, it depends really on the nature of the business. I mean, when, mm. when we started, um, when we started flying solo, we, uh, the three of us, three partners, that's Peter, Sam and myself, um, we all had our own businesses alongside flying solo and we were doing it very much as a let's just start doing this thing and see where it goes. Um, we didn't have our eye on, on revenue. We, we really didn't. We just thought let's just, we, we were working on the theory that you know, build it and they will come. And once they're there, then you can kind of figure it out. And that's very much a lot of internet businesses run like that. And a lot of them never make any money. Um, but we were fortunate we were able to do that. So we had our other businesses that were, that were basically keeping food on the table. And we, we were able to give the business time. And that's often what a lot of startup new businesses don't have enough of is time or, or money. And invariably, when they're starting up, they have a very unrealistic expectation of how quickly revenue is going to start flowing because it's usually a damn sight slower than you think. <laughs> so, you know, the key thing, I think, is, uh, you know, it's a very hard question of yours to answer, really. But the key thing, I think, is to you've got to give it time. I mean, I told, if you remember at that conference last week, a story about an art gallery business I had that failed yes. badly. <laughs> and the reason it failed was that I, I didn't have enough time. I didn't have enough money in the bank and I I had to cease the business. 
And when I stopped it, um, I realized that it was from people that came up to me after I shut it, that people were just starting to think about maybe coming and visiting me and spending some money. But I didn't have enough revenue. I didn't have enough, sorry, I didn't have enough reserve, I should say, to survive that. Um, so the important thing, I think, when you start your business is, yes, you've got to have an eye on where you think the money is. But what's very important is that you've got some reserve. You've got something you can fall back on. So when I was doing my coaching, if somebody came to me and said, look, I've got a full time job, I'm going to chuck it in and start my own business next month. If I could, if I could get them quick enough, I say, please don't stop your job. If you can, if you can just carry on with some revenue, even if you get a job as a postman, the postman's just walked past my door. <laughs> or if you can get a job doing anything part time, the worst thing is trying to grow a business when you've got real financial pressures. Because it's like you've got a big label stuck on your forehead. It just doesn't work. So anything that you can do, maybe it's cutting down your full-time job to a four-day week or a three-day week or a two-day week or doing taking on an extra shift or doing a bit of uh, an extra job on the side or being an Uber driver at the weekends or doing something so that you, you can give it time. Because, um, you know, there's some statistics that, um, that I... Um, they're always being published, but some recent ones about startup failure in the US and, and these of startup businesses that had all had um, some seed funding in many cases up to you know a couple of million dollars and well over 50 percent of them still failed and the reason they failed was there was no market demand for what they were doing and this is just time and time again it's what causes um, businesses to close up is that there's no market for it and um, you know so the important thing is to yes have your eye on where you think the the money is going to come from but initially, just make sure you are researching, researching, researching. Don't necessarily try and do everything overnight. And just step forward as much as you can, listening and learning. And if you're fortunate and you're lucky and you're planned, you know, the revenue will follow. But, yeah, that's about the best answer I can give you, I'm afraid. That's the best. And it's, it's a very relatable situation because I'm <laughs> at the moment in a full-time job and the business and the podcast and things and I've always been toying up, should I quit completely or should I do part-time? So I really, really appreciate an insight from you like that. Yeah. No, that's good. And look, and the thing I think, because also there's a, you know, for as many times as I've said to somebody, please don't leave your job, probably more times I've said, for goodness sake, leave your job. <laughs> um, but the, but the truth is the, the different response depends on, on where the person's up to. And you've got to have, but if you're going to stop, another job to jump into your business you really should not be doing that until you've got some very very good indicators that this is working and it's up to the individual to work out well what are those indicators you know and often when we start we we're slightly unrealistic so ideally we have a kind of a, a best case a slightly less than best case and a worst case and just have it planned out in front of you so you know when you when you get to x level when you get to the kind of the worst case and you're confident that there's people coming in at the top of the funnel that there's an interest in what you do you know then you're free. at that point i would probably be saying come on come on quit your job let's do this thing but the, the danger is people do it before they've actually sold anything before they've actually got any real understanding of it is there a market we listen too much to our friends and our family who all say that's fantastic you're just going to rule the world this is brilliant you're onto something that's what friends and family do then they're of no interest unfortunately, <laughs> at this stage of a business what's important is is anybody prepared 
to put their hands in their pocket and pay for something. You know, that, that's that's the deciding point, I think. No, absolutely, and thanks for that. And that's the thing, is that's a decision you have to make and mm. that it will happen afterwards. So, Robert, uh, we're just almost at the end of this. Sure. But uh, with Flying Solo, what is your champagne bottle moment? So down the track in 12 months, when do you think you want to uh, pop a bottle of champagne saying we have achieved this, that celebration, the big celebration? Oh, wow. Oh, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, look, I, the moment we're at 81,000, and of course, getting to 100,000 will be rather lovely. Um, so I think that'll be a, a champagne cork topping time. Um, I think also with us, you know, from a, a business perspective, uh, as you mentioned at the outset, you know, we have a membership uh, aspect, of, a paid membership aspect of our business. And we've still got work to do on that. And there's no pretending that we haven't. It's very good and it's solid and it's and we've got you know, a good number of people that come into it. And most of them co- that come in, stay in. So on certain measures, you'd say, well, that's going well. But it's not yet. It hasn't touched a nerve to the extent that I we want it to. Um, and so f- that. That will be a champagne moment, I think, when we can see that we're really providing something of very tangible value to a lot of people. Because it's not that we're suddenly going to be swimming in cash. That's got nothing to do with it. But what's important is that it will mean that we've actually got something that people really want. And that's important. Um, and at the moment, we know we've got we've got the basics right. We know that a lot of people want the basics that we've got. But we want to do more. And when we've got a real sign that we can go hand on heart, this is working. This is what people really want. This is really making a difference to those people. Personally, that's when I'll knock over some champagne. Awesome. And looking forward to being part of that journey as well. So any particular thing then you're going to do differently that you're not currently doing to achieve that? Hmm. Um. That's a good question. You're coaching me now, aren't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do differently? Um, well, we've just got to pay more attention. We've, it's, um, I think is the answer. We, it's very easy when you're busy and you're running fast and your email inbox is overflowing and to just keep running. And, um, it's having the, the courage to step back and, and just look in more detail. At what's happening and i don't mean just looking at google analytics or looking at how many new likers you've got this week or any of that stuff it's just really looking for signs and we've happily just finished our as i mentioned a few, mo- few minutes ago our latest survey and uh, we've got a lot of information in there and we've really got to sit down and pick it all apart because some of it are sort of you know little tick box responses and that's that's easy to read a number of other responses are sort of um open open responses where people can just tell us what they think about certain things and we've got a lot of those and we need to sit down and read them and and happily peter sam and myself are doing what we do um at least once a year where we go away in a little huddle together we're going away next weekend um for a few days and we will sit there and we'll have a good close look um and that's what we've got to do and i think that's what every business needs to do it's it's when you're running you still need to just turn everything off for a little bit. Let everything go to voicemail or autoresponder or whatever else. And just, just look and listen, observe. You know, that's one of the key things, I think. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, it's the same like now I'm at this mode where I'm reflecting back and thinking and planning 
mm. taking that break. It's, look, it's a great time of year to do it. You know, Independence Day, great way to kick it off. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it is. It's a good time of year to do it, and and we do it. We do a lot of that. And, um, yeah, that, that's, that I think is, is the thing. And it's a, it's an, it's an increasing challenge, particularly for solo businesses, particularly when they are so overwhelmed, you know, just to be able to step back and have a look at things. Very, it's hard to do, but my goodness, we have to do it. So wrapping things up then, what is an action that our listener can take today in terms of growing and building their own community around their business? Okay, well, look, I thought about that. And you mentioned at the outset that uh, you're going to ask me something like that. Do you know what I would do for anybody who's really looking to get into this? I'd do, I'd use a tactic that is nothing new, but, but the chances are eight out of 10 of us never get around to doing it. And that is to actually build, um, a very tangible, uh, profile of your ideal customer. And what I mean by that is, uh, um, you know, and that's again, a number of people are going, Oh, there's so many times. <laughs> but what I, what I actually mean is go down to uh, your local office works or wh- whatever your local office supplier is. Get yourself a nice big piece of cardboard or foam board about the size of A2. Bring it home and get, uh, about half a dozen copies of magazines like lifestyle magazines, homes and gardens, business magazines, any magazines that have, that have got lots of uh, images in them. And literally tear out pictures of people, situations, locations, words that spring to mind when you think of your ideal customer and just rip them out of those magazines and stick them on that board. And the more you can do that, and I've got mine behind me, I'm just, I'm looking, yeah, it's still there, (laughs) that I created before I met Sam and Peter. This is when I was working by myself and I did a vision exercise like this. I got a piece of A2 board. I got a whole lot of magazines and I stuck down images and I stuck. Let me just have a look at it. Hang on. Okay. So I, for example, I've got on mine and I had no, this was years before I got together with Sam and Peter. I've got a picture of three people, young, smiling people sitting in a lovely work situation. That's one of the pictures I liked and I stuck it on the board. Coincidentally, 10 years later, I worked with two other business partners. <laughs> I've then got pictures of big tall buildings with brand names on the top. And lo and behold, um, the main source of revenue we have are for pe- from people in big tall buildings. <laughs> um, I have a picture of a woman who looks very much like my wife relaxing on the sofa at home. Because for me, one of the, a sign of success for me is when my wife can be really relaxed, <laughs> which she usually is. But, you know, looking and seeing Jane relaxing makes me feel successful, more so than any long pointy car or anything like that. So I've got a nice picture of someone relaxing. I've got pictures of some coastal scenes because we love going for walks by the coast. Got a picture of a young boy who just happens to look a bit like my son, who's also looking quite creative and relax so all these images are there and this was actually this this just so i don't confuse people that was more a vision of where i wanted my life to head now what i'd be doing if i were doing it with a tribe i'd be doing it not so much with my life but i was doing it with their life so who are my tribe what do they look like where do they go what do they do what are the things that keep them awake at night what are the things that are important in their lives and have images of all those things on this board and add to it when you've realized that, oh, my ideal clients are really, um, you know, they, they attach a lot of value to holidaying. So have some holiday images there. It might be they attach a lot of value to 
being at the top of the their game when it comes to technology. So have some technology things on there. Keep all those things in front of you. Put them all on this board and then just keep it on a wall somewhere. Take a shot of it on your smartphone and keep it on your computer and keep it on your phone. And just remember, these are the people I'm doing this for. These are the people I'm writing for. These are the people I want to attract. These are the people I want to talk to. These are the people I want to understand more about. That's the action I take. Awesome. And that's a lot of work, but I think it's that work. Well, it's about 10 It's worth it, isn't it? Minutes work. Half an hour's work. An hour's work, maybe, but it's a lot of fun. And yeah. it turns something, it turns it visual. That's the best thing. You can pop it up. I've had mine in my, my office for over 10 years. And I look at it and I still look at it and I laugh. I just laugh at how much of it has come to fruition. It's incredible. And that's the thing to do is to bring your vision, bring it to life, animate it, stick it up on a wall, have it in front of you. Could I ask you a favor? Could you send me that picture of your board? Yeah, I will. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I would love to put it up on the show notes because it's that visual side that would go along with sure. this. All right. Man, Done. Thank you. <laughs> so. Robert, where can people find out more about it? I love that action. And uh, again, we talk about uh, similar something like that, creating an ideal profile more visual yeah. uh, on an episode with Shannon Bush, and she talks about that. If people okay, are listening good. to this, go check that out. But Robert, where can people find out more about you? Where can they get in touch? Uh, and well, look, just, social media I just love anyone. Just get to flyingsolo.com.au uh, if you want to get in touch with me directly. There's a contact form at the bottom. It'll get straight to me and I'll get straight back to you. So, yeah, just have a look at us through flyingseller.com.au and you'll find me there. Awesome. And also make sure you check out Robert's podcast as well. It's really great information and really practical tips as well in there. Perfect. Yes, and that's the Flying Seller podcast. So thank you yeah. for that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, quickly, if you want to share a bit more about the Independence Day and the details around it and how people can get involved in it as well. Yeah, sure. So that's happening on the first Friday of summer, which is Friday the 4th of December. Uh, it's a, it's a sort of, un, you can celebrate. There's no one location for the event. It just happens in every small solo micro business premises anywhere around Australia. All we'd love you to do is to um, join us at um, flyingsolo.com.au or go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash flying solo au um and just get involved in the day send us pictures of anything you're doing tell us what your plans are we've got a couple of hashtags in place which i'm just trying to get whilst i talk to you but um yeah what we're certainly hoping from past year is, is, is it's um again it's a very sort of visual uh kind of event we ask people to hop on particularly onto facebook or instagram or whatever and Twitter even and just just share stories of what they're doing on the day. So the hashtags we're using are hashtag flying solo or hashtag independence day. So that's independent all with ease, independence day. <laughs> and that's where you'll find it all. So yeah, or again if you hop along to flying solo, you'll find some links on the homepage that will direct you to everything that's going on. Cool. I'll be part of Great. it and I encourage Good. everyone else listening to this to be part of it. And if you do miss out the day, still make sure you take those hashtags and as soon as you'll finish listening to this, uh, share that images on Facebook or Instagram as well. Fantastic. So, Robert, quickly wrapping up, what's the last tip you would leave our listeners that at least something which we have not covered yet? Mm -hmm. I think just if you haven't already, um, just get really clear, clear that uh, balance is not something that you do at weekends. Um, balance is should be in our work day every day 
So make sure, please, that whatever you're doing, whatever business you're in, whether you're in employment or running your own business, that at least it's for a tangible moment or minutes or hours of the day, you are doing something that is feeding you personally, feeding your soul, feeding your mind. Just make sure you put yourself first. It's it's very easy and it's, it can sound a bit sort of um, selfish to say that, but if there's one thing I've learned about running a solo business is or running any business, if you don't put yourself first, you can't expect anybody else to. And it's only by putting yourself first that you can be the best person that you can be. You know, you can be the nicest parent or the nicest partner or the nicest friend only by putting yourself first. So that's the thing I say is, you know, with all this rushing around, racing around, doing all these things, just make sure you give yourself some time. And there's a, one of the quotes that I, um, I just love is, um, the t- Time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time, and um, that's a. I just love that, and I say that to myself whenever I'm, you know, sitting on a bench or going for a walk or doing something that some passerby might think, why isn't that person doing some work? I think, you know, if you, it's the time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time, and it's it is absolutely um, often the the best time to be thinking um, about what you're doing and where you're going. You know, it's it's uh, it's just yeah, it's it's something that I kind of run my life by anyway. Bertrand Russell is a person who said it. Awesome, awesome. I love that quote, and I'm thinking I'm going to make that my header quote as well. Good, <laughs> cool. I really, really appreciate the time, Robert. And I know you're a busy man, but you uh, chose to spend it with us, and I love oh, all the great. inside. So thanks a lot, and we'll be obviously in touch. And looking forward to Independence Day. Thank you so much. Thanks. Didn't you love all those tips and strategies that Robert shared with us in terms of growing and building a community? It is all hard work, but if done correctly, it's well worth the effort. As Robert says, build it and they will come. And once they are there, you kind of figure it out what to sell them. And they will tell you that this is what we want from you and they'll happily pay you for that. So have that kind of mentality. Build your audience first and then produce the products. It's much easier, much faster, rather than trying to find an audience for product that you might not even have done it properly. So take those tips and strategies and start implementing them. Start building your community if you haven't, and if you already have a community, if you already have a Facebook group, start growing that. Start growing with the things that Robert shared from There's little things such as helping them out, feeling their pain and talking with them. So connect with that because if you do that now, they'll sing praises of you. They'll get other people to come along. They'll become your advocates. So make sure you start building and growing your community. Now, this Flying Solo Independence Day is coming up very shortly. It's on the December the 4th. That's the first Friday of December. And make sure you take part of it. Check out the Flying Solo Independence Day page. Uh, the link is in the show notes. The show notes are at keytoauthority.com slash EP046. And take part. Use the hashtag Flying Solo, hashtag Independence Day, and hashtag keytoauthority as well. Take your pictures, what you're doing in your solo business, and share them on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, and go nuts. And invite others to do that as well other people who you know who are solo 
entrepreneurs and who are business owners. Also, your action from today is to build a tangible profile of your ideal customer using a vision board and take part in the Flying Solar Independence Day. I can't stress that enough. And once you've done those things, start working on building your community and growing it. To get all the show notes and links talked about in today's show, go to ketoauthor.com slash EP046. Till next time, keep growing and building your community. Ciao. Thank you so much for listening to the Key to Authority podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share at www.keytoauthority.com. We'll see you next time.